Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 54. The first three verses contain three marvelous images of what faith is all about. And uh, we've only had time in the first two messages to look at the first image. But Isaiah 54, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Sing, O barren, you who have not borne. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that uh, we would apply it to our hearts and uh, rejoice in it as we come to the Lord's table. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the previous uh, two communion meditations, we have looked at how faith is so focused upon the promises of God that it's able to rejoice even before it sees those promises being fulfilled. It's able to rejoice in the face of absolute impossibilities. And the image that was used was God's promise, which may have seemed like a ridiculous promise, that Sarah in her old age was going to have a baby that she would conceive. And the Apostle Paul applies this passage and says that this passage is actually uh, really talking about the church of Jesus Christ and how we need to live by faith, how we need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've been looking at different examples of how every one of you is called to do things that seem as impossible as Sarah's conception. Uh, God calls us to walk in the area of the supernatural. Well, verse 2 continues that theme using another image, and it's the expansion of a tent that is about to become too crowded. But as John Oswalt's commentary points out, the command to expand the tent to accommodate a whole lot more people occurs while the woman is still barren. Okay, so it's, uh, there's a, a transition into a new image, but it's still talking about this multiplication of people uh, from Sarah. And God calls for very quick action before the, there even are children. Here's what his commentary says. The insistence of the essentially repetitious commands connotes an urgency and an exuberance that will brook no hesitation. God will do what he says. A wider space must be found where a bigger tent with necessarily longer cords and stronger pegs can be stretched out. So this passage indicates this is the very nature of what faith is all about. And I want to look at each phrase so that we can kind of draw this out. What does it mean? Verse 2, God says, enlarge the place of your tent. And remember that Paul, by inspiration, was applying this to the church. So why does the church need to be commanded to prepare for growth? Well, perhaps because the status quo feels more comfortable. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, people find change to be very, very uncomfortable. Perhaps because growth brings with it messiness and uh, uh, some more work, perhaps because there's going to be inconvenience. We're not told why, 
But it is certainly true to life. If we had not been commanded to expand the territory, you know, beyond Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria, uh, the church probably would never have expanded out there. There was this tendency, apart from God stirring up an aggressive faith, for us to retreat into a holy huddle. That's just the nature of things. And faith breaks out of that. The next imperative is, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Now commentators point out that the stretching out is not the pulling on stretchy fabric. Uh, the meaning really is to add on by sewing on new fabric to this tent, making the tent wider and wider. And I want you to notice the command is let them, let them. There are people who are willing to stretch out the curtains and others aren't so keen about that stretching out. You know, who wants the tent to be inconvenienced by workers coming along, lifting up the flaps, taking the top off? What if it rains, you know, and uh, I'm not going to be able to do the things I'm normally able to do and my privacy is being invaded as they're expanding this tent. So there's an inconvenience, but he says here, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Let them do it. There are people who will tend to drag their feet the moment people start inviting others into, into the, the new community, as soon as evangelism happens, new people start coming in, uh, they feel like, you know, this is kind of messing around with our favorite nice little clique. But God says, let them do it. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. The whole body needs to gain an attitude of outreach and of missions. And keep in mind that this preparing for new people occurs before the people arrive. While the woman, Sarah, she's just an image, while she is still barren. Okay, it's developing an attitude or a culture of expectation. It's a culture that's saying, yes, we want to be willing. We're excited about the possibility of new people coming in. The next imperative verb is do not spare. Don't be stingy. Don't hold back whatever additional skins, you know, their tents were made of skins, and needle and thread and effort and money and time is needed uh, to prepare for new covenant growth. God's will is for sterile, barren, desolate congregations to have babies, right? Spiritual babies to grow, to have diapers and immature Christians coming into their midst. It is not supposed to be a club for specialists. Everyone should pitch in and reach out, do not spare. And this is what the New Covenant commits us to. And, and Gary Smith, in his commentary, points out that God wants the church to have a wild optimism for growth during New Covenant times. He says the initial imperatives encourage the listener to be optimistic in the expansion of the tent. Make it wide and stretch it out. Encourage the woman to not be short-sighted or pessimistic about how many children will be added and how much space will be needed. She is not to hold back her imagination and dreaming just how big the tent might need to be. Now the fourth and the fifth imperatives deal with preserving what is about to be expanded. It says lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Uh, once every provision for growth has been put into place, there are going to be the opposition of winds and storms that have the potential of collapsing that tent, taking it down. You know, church growth can be messy. 
And there has been many a church that has completely dissolved as a result of growing uh, too fast, and they weren't prepared for that growth. And uh, since in this image, there's much more fabric. You stretch out the tent, there's much more fabric for the wind to catch. It's going to be a whole lot easier for that tent to collapse. Well, the same is true of the church. As you have growth of new people coming in, they bring with them more problems, right? So he's saying, be prepared for that, for those potential uh, problems. Anticipate the winds of adversity. Do not be surprised by them. So in effect, he's saying, strengthen the cords of love. Drive those stakes down into God's grace and his provision down into the ground. Uh, so that that tent is able to last. And what is remarkable about all of this is this is to be done while the woman is still barren. It's a call to faith for God to do the impossible and that it is God's will to do that impossible through us. And so as we come to the Lord's table, let's come with a faith that, that has an expectation, that wants to reach out and that anticipates that barren, DCC, you know, we're like that, uh, that woman, Sarah, barren DCC, will give birth to spiritual babies. May it be so, Lord Jesus. Amen. Father God, we do come to you this uh, morning desirous that we would have the faith of Abraham and of Sarah and that we would expect from you in our lives individually an increase of sanctification and increase of evangelism and increase in every area that you have commanded us to grow in and that we would not neglect our duties simply because these duties seem impossible. And specifically with regard to new covenant growth, I pray that you would help us to have a, an atmosphere that reaches out uh, to, to the new, to the different, uh, to those who are without Christ and that we would see growth in this congregation to your glory. And I pray that you would set aside these common elements to a holy use and you would be glorified in our partaking. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, especially in the previous sermons, we've been looking at the nature of faith to believe the impossible. It's not just doing what we can normally expect by sight. It's uh, believing uh, that which God has promised even before the promise has been achieved. And you can think of illustrations like the paralytic who had never been able to reach out his hand and Christ said, stretch forth your hand. His response was not, well, Lord, you gotta heal it first, then I'll stretch it forth. No, he willed to do the impossible. And as he expressed that God-given faith, God gave the miracle. Uh, God didn't part the Jordan River before they crossed the Jordan. He made them get their feet wet, probably a little bit scary. They step into the water and God parted the water. And there may be steps of faith that we have to take in order to enter into the supernatural that God wants us to walk in. And so as you come to the Lord's table this morning, let's come with a commitment. Lord, if you call me to do something, and no matter how difficult it is to do, I want to take the action of faith and trust you to come through on my behalf. Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, and that in itself was a call to faith, um, said, this is my body, which is broken for you. You don't have to do it alone. Uh, he never made them go through the difficult tests that he took them through alone. Uh, but he, he said, I'm going before you. 
He took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. So Father, we do pray that you would take these elements, set them aside from a common to a holy use, and that you would strengthen the resolve of this people, stir up in their hearts a faith to expect great things from you and to achieve great things for you, whether that's in terms of conquering their own personal sins, uh, entering into the relationships, uh, engaging in evangelism, doing whatever it is that you have called them to do. I pray, Father, that you would stir up our faith to expect great things from you and to attempt great things for you. In Jesus' name.